You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. back as we dive fin too deep with myself your host reason and my co-host neil driscoll neil the watson trade didn't happen we lost to the bills yet again mcdermott owns flores Allen owns this franchise um it's been yet another tumultuous week to be a dolphin fan seven losses in a row heading into a weekend where we face another team that has seven losses in a row. The Houston Texans. Tua Tungvaloa is the quarterback, at least for the rest of the season. Um, you know, where where are you at this week? Where's your headspace at as a Dolphin fan and as someone who basically creates content for this team? Yeah, so I'll correct you on one thing you just said. You said that the Sean Watson trade didn't happen, and what I'll add is yet. Because I, I think that this is just put on pause. Semantics, Neil. Semantics. Yeah, I think it's just on pause. I'll be honest. Let's talk about the game first, right? Okay, on the floor. I, I was actually pleasantly surprised, even though they lost, because the first half, first, that defense looked like a top five defense in the league. Uh, Byron Jones completely eliminated Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, quietly, Byron Jones is having a really, really good season. It's great to see that. Christian Wilkins continues to have a good season. Um, you know, Javon Holland looked pretty good. You know, the whole Xavier Howard, everyone looked really, really good. The defense, Duke Riley played better than Jerome Baker's played all year. Um, so, I, I mean, the defense. Is it a coincidence a whole, that our run defense looked better without Jerome Baker? I know. And, and honestly, like, you know, the game fell apart a little bit in the fourth quarter. And so I forget who was on Twitter. It was like, you know, you jinxed them. You shouldn't have said it so well. Well, look, man, like we the needed Buffalo- that stop when they made it 17-11. That's when we needed them to play complimentary football. We needed that stop at 17-11. Sure. The Bills are going to get theirs though, right? Like I picked it, I picked yeah. them to, to play the Bucks in the Super Bowl on our first episode, right? So yeah. they're going to get theirs. They're a good team, you know. But the Dolphins fought hard and that, you know, they look, they were one and six team and they they went into Buffalo and gave them everything they had for, you know, 75% of the game. And, you know, they started first half. They blitzed awesome, and the defense looked great. They got away from it. Allen and the Bills went up up tempo. They countered it, and Flores and them kind of just kind of sat there and let it happen. But it was the best performance they've had against Josh Allen during the Brian Flores era. So on the field, to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised. Um you know, I think what one thing that will drive me crazy is just how good Devontae Parker looked. God, why can't this guy just stay healthy? If you, I mean, like, he was a beast, man. And he's a contested catch. Again, okay, I got to ask you this. Sorry to cut you off, but I got Yeah, yeah. So one of the frustrating things to me that I've always gone back to with coaching, specifically on the offensive side this, this year, is when you script your opening drive and your opening set of plays – you're doing that because you think that's what's going to work and drive you down the field, right? That's your recipe, okay? And we've done this multiple times, whether it's up-tempo with RPO sprinkled in but progression-based or whether it's utilizing the run and then predicating the pass off the run off the scripted plays or this week feeding Devontae Parker. And then every time that the script shows them now again, Another special teams blunder with a missed field goal this week. I mean, Oof. this has been, you know, between Sanders and Jerome Baker, the guys who got paid first and big by our team, performance-wise, it's just not there this year so far. But that's another story for another day. But the opening script and the opening scripted set of drives have shown them the recipe 
to score on these teams. And yet they always seem to get away with it. And it's one thing to get away with from it in the third quarter when the other teams had the halftime to adjust. But for those first two quarters, it's difficult to do enough in-game adjustments. But, you, I mean, like, look at for us, right? We were doing the zero blitz, you know, really sending a lot of pressure. Second half, because they couldn't get it together. They couldn't make the adjustments in the first half. But they made the adjustments in the second half and started going more up-tempo. And that made us back off pressure-wise, right? So, like, you you know, halftime adjustments, right? So, but we get away from it. Like, we got away from feeding the beast, which was Devontae Parker. He was ready to eat. Buddy, people are telling me Tua got no zip. Just like he showed me he got the wiggle. They didn't tell me. Uh, those laser beams he threw between defenders on those slants in that first drive to Devontae Parker were crazy. And and that first one he threw, he had Milano hanging underneath, and he said, screw it, let me make the throw. And, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, let's the O-line, the O-line was awful on Sunday again. I mean, Eichenberg and, and Davis, 14 pressures allowed between just the two of them. I mean, PFF told us Austin Jackson didn't allow pressure. Well, that's not what the All-22 told me. But, you know, Reader, I think he's been worse than Mance. Uh, Robert Hunt, again, like, look at the the play he had on that screen where he put his hands on his face because it got blown up because of him, and he was allowing free rushers through. I mean, the one thing Dolphin fans haven't realized, and I said to you, the difference between where they were last year or the year before defensively is their pass rush this year. Their pass rush has been phenomenal. They're our number one against the pass heading into that game. They're number six against the rush. I mean, they are a legitimate no, top three defense in the NFL right now. They've made Mahomes look pedestrian. They made Tannehill, who people remember. Everyone will say, oh, he's been so good since he tended, went to Tennessee. Well, they made him look pedestrian. You know, Tua basically just fell in line with what they did. I mean, think of it. You know, Mahomes only threw for 272 yards, 275 yards that game, but he threw the ball 54 times against them. Sure. Two touchdowns and two interceptions. Like, like people need to start giving credit. I get because they're the rivals and we don't like them. I mean, I hate the Bills. I live a little bit over an hour away from that stadium. They're my biggest hated rival as a Dolphins fan. But you got to give them credit. They're a good team. They're well coached. You saw the adjustments in the end. The defense couldn't play complementary football when the offense started trying to make a move in the fourth quarter because the Bills had already adjusted to what they were showing. And they had to get and we weren't pressuring them like we were in the first half because of those adjustments. Like, you know, this game was a lot deeper than just quarterback play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm looking at my notes and I have a lot of the same. My three negative takeaways were, first of all, welcome back to mediocrity, Jason Sanders. Um, oh. He's been was an all pro. Was a Shout out to you, Neil. Christian Wilkins, 24 run stops, leads the NFL at his position. And Byron Jones, again, I believe you're right. You know, look at what he's done this year in terms of pass breakups. Um, you know, he's got the most forcing completions on 20 yard, 20 plus yep. yard passes this season. And he had a big one in the corner there too, in the first half. You know, I think there's guys, Javon Holland, I think has been fantastic. I think Jalen Phillips has been quietly having a good season because a lot of people are giving people are like, Oh, Jalen Phillips, he's disappearing. Jalen Phillips, he's this Jalen Phillips, he's that. Well, I just did a, a film study on Finside the NFL. And guess what? In a lot terms of pressure. Of, Dude, number three in pressures behind only Adofe, Owe, and Baltimore, and Aziz Ojolari. You know, Owe has 24, Ojolari 19, Phillips has 17. Number two in QB hurries, only behind Owe, and he's number two in quarterback hits, only behind Owe. Like, he's quietly having a good season, and he's also putting up with snap count fluctuations, and he's being dropped back into coverage and not just saying, pin your ears back and go do what you do. Yeah, just so, just got to yeah. finish a little bit more. Just got to finish I think, a little bit more. You know, I think, you know, I think Byron Jones, Javon Holland, Christian Wilkins, and Jalen Phillips are the bright spots right now. I think, you know, you can even point to where Raekwon Davis has been at since he returned to injury and how he, he looks like he's even regressed under this regime. 
Yeah, he he has not been great. Actually, Zach Sealer has been pretty solid too. And I think Jay, I think John Jenkins has been better, but that's a veteran. In active this the, week, right? Yeah, but that's a Jenkins is a veteran who's been in the league who doesn't have to put up with growth and development. See, this is what gets me about all these people that hate Tua Neil. And I sorry, I got to swerve off, and I just got to make this point while while we're on this thing. Okay, here's what bugs me. This team has shown that they can't grow or develop players at multiple positions. Take the quarterback out of the equation. Austin Jackson, clearly not a good enough left tackle. Move to left guard. He's struggling there. He he deserves the bench. Yep. Dieter, they had they've shifted him around for three years. And let's be honest, he's an average at best center. He's probably a better guard. Okay. Robert Hunt, because of the coaching. And Lemieux Jean Pierre being he's in charge. Robert Hunt hasn't been good though. Like, yeah, no, I, no, Robert Hunt. You know, I know it's there, but he's even, you yeah, know, he's even looked worse under Lemieux Jean Pierre than he did last year under Steve Marshall. Okay, yep, you know, Eichenberg. You know, I'm not going to touch this year's draft class because these guys are still work in process. But Eichenberg has a lot of bad snaps. But anyways, Christian Wilkins. He looks like he's playing well and productive. Clearly, he just needs to be more consistent with his pass rush. Tua. Over 2,800 yards passing, 24 total touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Okay, he's producing, all right? Let's keep going down the line a little bit. Lynn Bowden, you know, they put him on IR, didn't really give him a chance, okay? Noe Benogany, inactive. Brandon Jones, he doesn't look as good as he was in his rookie year. He looks like he's regressed a little bit. Add him to the list, okay? Nick Needham. Nick Needham was great in his first year, great in his second year, had a great training camp. This year... He's been actually one of our better, so I'll give them. I'll give them Nick Needham. But Christian Cole Beasley Wilson got him. Far. Cole Beasley got him. Cole Beasley got him. Oh, Cole Beasley got him. Cole Beasley gets a lot of people. But do you see where I'm starting to go with all this? Solomon Kinley, he can't see the field. He's on the bench. No, Ibnogni, he can't even get active. Do you see where I'm starting to go with all this? There's long. clearly a disconnect with development. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about guys this year, though. I want to talk about okay. 2019, 2020, right? Like, yeah, I you mean, know, there's a few guys that look like they're the roses blossoming through the concrete, but the guys who truly need that growth and development, and two, two isn't one of them, but he's still performing, if you actually think about it. The guys who need that growth and development, they're not getting it. Like, and, and, and they're asking guys to not only elevate a round of a lack of talent around them, but a lack of coaching around them. That's what people need to realize. This is beyond the quarterback. You can look at, it's a problem, Neil, when we can look at a handful of positions on this team with guys that have been drafted in 2019 and 2020, and we can see the regression either in their second year in the 2020 class to this year or of 2019 who aren't producing. Uh, into year three or who like how many of those guys from 2019 aren't even on the team anymore okay yeah, you know coach, what i mean the coaching is going to be um an enemy number one like every you're a draft head i'm a drafted this is why people always say what's the one big cliche with draft with drafting and all that stuff it's situation matters yeah, I mean, the, our coaching and evaluation is going to be a problem every week we have the show. It's we have probably the worst coaching staff in football, and we probably have the worst front office in football. And overall, we're probably the worst franchise in NFL right now. I, you know, it's hard to argue that. Um, so you know, the coaching is going to be awful. I, I, My I don't, whole point is, Neil, how can you expect someone? like Tua to reach his ceiling when you can oh. look around and see other players have no chance to reach their ceiling because of what's around them in terms of talent and coaching. And I'm not just like, you know, it's not just the quarterback. There's other guys who are not going to reach their ceiling because of that. Like, sure. listen, we love Christian Wilkins game, but to become a better consistent threat in the pass rushing, that was one of the weaker parts of his games. He needed to be coached up in that area. That's still where he's lacking. Because he's not getting the proper coaching. Like, yeah. I don't even have to talk about the quarterback to talk about guys that are performing and they still have holes in their game because they haven't been coached up in it. That's what I'm sitting here saying. Like That should show people that you can't expect Tua to reach a ceiling until there's a regime change like I've been calling for. Well, and we so so we'll, we could kind of pivot into the Tua talk, you know, and, and I agree. I mean, Tua's been mishandled from the jump and it all started with that pool against Denver. That was the first time we really set him off the track of development. 
he needed to lose. Tough it out. Win or lose. Tough it out, man. And the Raiders, too. And, and you know, it even hurt him even more, I think, that Fitzpatrick made the plays to win the game. And then the whole offseason with Deshaun Watson. But with all that said, like, you know, I, I got to come clean here. Like, and, and we talked about this before the show. To me, Tua Tungvaloa has underwhelmed me based off the expectations I had set for him when we drafted him number five overall. Now, my expectations were very high. I Yeah, but I, I think we also thought he was going to come into a good situation yeah, well, where he yeah. was going to be properly groomed. Because I agree with you. Am I underwhelmed from my evaluation and my projection of him? Yes. But I know it's – and remember the key words, it's not only him. So I am giving blame to Tua – but I do think the situation, coaching and talent-wise, has played a role as well, not just him. You understand Absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it's hard to get And a I do think the hip. I yeah. don't know if he's fully, like, you see him using his upper body. His mechanics on the lower base aren't as good as what they were. As, and I don't know whether it's bad habits he learned last year because he was overcompensating with the hip by, by using a lot of upper body strength. And people got to realize it's kinetic. It starts from your toes all the way up to your fingertips. So that's why, like, if you go look at that Jalen Waddle interception, go watch the all 22, go watch. The, I call it the God view, but it's a goalpost view. Watch it, bro. If you watch, if you watch it from the goalpost, it's all upper body. And he even turns away after he throws the ball. Like, I don't want to get hit here. Like, in the in the ribs. So you could tell he's compensating. If you go watch that play, and these are bad habits from starting him too early last year, overcompensating because of the bad hip. And also, we also saw his footwork and his pocket maneuverability not be that good last year because not only did he not trust his body, but he didn't trust his protection. And this year, the lack of trust with the protection has gotten even worse because Eichenberg's a disaster. Davis is a disaster. But now you've kicked Jackson inside and created another interior disaster because I don't care what anyone tells me. Kinley's better than him on the guard. I don't care what anyone tells me, okay? And the only problem he has is pulling because he's not athletic enough. He doesn't have a good fleet of foot as Jackson. But now you've created another disaster in the interior. Okay. So, you know, I talked with Richmond Webb, the legendary Dolphins left tackle who protected Dan Marino's blindside for almost 10 years. And you know what he said to me? The problem is the weak link theory. If you have one weak link on the offensive line, you know where the pressure's coming from. So automatically it's like, it processed in your head. It's burnt into your head to be extra aware and have eyes in the back of your head if it's a left guard or left tackle, whatever the case may be. Now, when you have multiple leaks in the offensive line, now the problem is you don't know where the leak is coming from, so your maneuverability in the pocket is compromised because you're thinking in the back of the head, okay, my tackles are collapsing, I want to move up to this lane in the left, but oh, there's this guy who continuously lets in pressure. Should I just roll out and bail on the play? Yeah, and, and fair points on the offensive line and, and the Bills defense is good. You know, the one thing I you know I'll say for myself people don't realize it, right? Reps stand for repetition. People do not realize that with repetition and reps, certain traits, certain habits get burnt into you. And the sure. problem was last year because of protection and the compromised body, we burnt in some bad traits to Tua. And you even see it with the mechanics in his upper body. He will resort to it sometimes when that pressure comes there because that's what he was doing last year. And then let's be honest. We know since year one, he's been told be efficient and be careful with the ball. Don't turn it over. Yeah. I mean, but in all fair points, but you know, I like me personally, I'd like to see more touchdowns. I, I need to see more points. Um, you know that, and look, the bills being a good team and all, me, they're not going anywhere. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Cause I yep. know a lot of people talk about deep threats, deep threats. Okay. <clears throat> we can both agree. A 40 yard dash is straight line speed. Correct. Correct. So if I run a 4-2-7-40, like let's say I'm Jalen Waddle, okay? I run a 4-2-7-40, that's straight line speed, correct? Sure. How much time do you need if I have to run a deep route and I got to focus on getting my release, I might get jammed at the line, and I got to have breaks and cuts in my route? How long do you think it's going to take me to get to the top of my post route or post corner route or whatever that I'm running. How long do you think it would take me to get? Because basically where I'm going with this here is if you're going to have that long stuff in there, 
you're going to need time for those routes to develop, even for the guys who run four two sevens. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, the time and the pressure, it's all there. And, you know, it's all against Tua. The pressure, the team support, the, the Buffalo being a good defense, all that's against them. It's not fair, but that's just sometimes the way the cookie crumbles. And I agree. I'm not against Tua. You know, I'm I'm not losing confidence on him. Where I am is that I know that he won't be the quarterback of this football team next year. I agree with that too. And I learned that this week. And you know, while the Dolphins, you know, probably it's going to be know, Alex Smith, Neil. He's going to go somewhere else. Proper coaching, and we're gonna. This guy's going to be MVP candidate, and we're going to be sitting back here trying to figure out what the hell we got. Well, you know, and it's one of those things that, like, you know, it's probably not the fair shake. While the football team actually outperformed my expectations this week, the front office disappointed me probably as much as I've ever been disappointed as a Miami Dolphins fan. And you didn't get Watson, you still could have. Listen, Barry Jackson reported that they field offers for DVP. And, yep. But they didn't want to make moves because they believe this is a championship team. So then why didn't you upgrade yeah. your holes? Why well, didn't you I, use? I heard the highest offer they got for DVP was a late fourth. Just to kind of put that. I believe it. I thought they were going to get a third or a fourth for him. So, so like I, I, I wouldn't trade Devonte for a late fourth either. If I could got a third for him, I would have made the move. Same with X. I heard X was getting shot. Would didn't get shot, but teams were calling and the offers were just not there. But I, I, you know, all like that aside, like, Look, it's not even about them wanting Deshaun Watson. It's clear they did. This isn't made up. You know, this isn't Bigfoot by the Houston Chronicle. This is real. The owner called Deshaun Watson the night before. And, you know, this trade has been agreed upon based off compensation. It's on pause right now. Tua's going to have to go run the gauntlet and look like Russell Wilson practically, probably to even have a chance to save it. And if he does that, he probably wants out because you got to think about this. It, it, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're in our careers, right? And if you're at your job and you're at your desk and your owner sits next to you and you hear him calling other candidates to replace you, you have to, I don't care who you are. You know, he's still just an athlete. He's just a person. You have to be crushed that the team that drafted you and has only given you 14 starts is already over you. All the stuff the Dolphins said this week, whether it's Brian Flores or Chris Greer, complete lies. That that happens. People lie in football. Front offices lie. None of this has bothered me. What bothers me is the stuff that I'm hearing about potentially wanting Deshaun Watson to pay hush money and you know pretty much just put ethics out the window to make this happen. And you know I, I've been a big uh, supporter of Stephen Ross, but if all this stuff that's coming out is true, you know, I, I think that for in order this franchise to ever get back to being not the laughing stock of the league, we're going to need him to get rid of this team and sell it uh, and move on. I mean, it, it, it's a complete embarrassment what we saw this week and, and the situation with Tua, right? Like, let's all talk about it on the football field, right? Like, there's two ways this goes that I can see. That Tua continues to be, you know, my overall grade for his time in Miami is a B minus, right? So far. And that's not to say that he can't get to a B plus. And it doesn't say he can't get to an A. Josh Allen did it, right? That's where I have him right now. If he continues down that path, there's no way in hell he's back here next year. If he goes out and becomes the A quarterback that we all thought he was going to be, then he has leverage to say, hell, I don't want to play for that organization that didn't support me, right? So this could be potentially an option. Instead of having Watson, instead of having Tua, the organization could set them up to have nobody, <laughs> right? That's the cards that they've played. Now, the only saving grace to all of this on the football field again is the fact that for some crazy reason, Deshaun Watson only wants to be a Dolphin. He won't talk to other teams. He wants to be a Miami Dolphin, and the Dolphins want him. And it's a marriage that's going to happen down the road. You know, people always ask me, put a percentage. I'm like, I'm 99% sure it's going to happen because elite quarterbacks don't fall into your lap. And think if you're Chris Greer and Brian Flores, what this means. This is your get out of jail free card. Because our owner probably is going to give them another chance with Watson if they make the move, right? And that, and, and, We'll still have challenges when it comes to coaching. I mean, our, our immature, young coaching staff isn't ready to lead a championship team. Um, the foundation of this organization isn't built on concrete. It's on uh, uneven slope. Everything we do 
it is awkward and weird. It's always been that 16,000 offensive coordinators, uh, coaching carousel every year, you know, giving everyone their first time coaching job. You know, we haven't done anything that screams experience. And that is what's hampering this team from a front office and a coaching standpoint. And look, Deshaun Watson's a dynamic player. I truly believe that if we were to acquire him on the football field again, he is the best player we've had probably since Ricky Williams. And honestly, like he might be better because he's a quarterback. Uh, You know, like that's how good I think Deshaun Watson is. But that doesn't give the franchise a right to put morals out the window and act the way they have the last week. And the hardest part about all of this, right, is taking my dolphin hat off and putting the side and putting my draft hat on and my fandom for two a tongue of a low out there is that this guy had no chance. He was the quarterback in that draft that the coaches, the fans, and the media needed to be patient with. Yet, as soon as Justin Herbert threw a couple touchdown passes, we're in comparison mode and two is a bust and the media jumped with it and all this stuff, right? We blew to a tongue of a loa up here. We failed him. And it's I'm not saying it's impossible to put him back together, but it, with nine weeks in a season where you're one in seven and you're playing practically meaningless football, you know, it's just a matter of time to certain veterans probably check out completely. We're battling injuries. Um, we have a incompetent offensive line, incompetent coaching. It's just sad to see one of the best collegiate football players to ever play the game not get a fair shake. Now, to your point earlier, he might go to a team like New Orleans, a team like Pittsburgh, and his second home, a la Steve Young, a la Drew Brees, might work way better for him. And as a fan of Tua Tungvaloa, I have no hard feelings. I cheer on Ryan Tannehill still. I do. I he's my favorite player, not on the Miami Dolphins in football. Like that, that that I will do the same for Tua. But the way this is going to shake out is that Stephen Ross is going to make this deal happen. Unfortunately, I think Brian Flores is back. I don't know about Chris Greer. I think he might be the guy who's burnt here. And I think that Marvin Allen, Reggie McKenzie, one of those guys might be promoted. But, you know, for those questioning me, like, you know, you're wrong. Like, you have no idea how this is going to shake out. Let's let's take a little trip in our time machine back to 2011, right? What's the uh, 2008, right? Tony Sperano, uh, Bill Parcells, they put together a team with Chad Pennington. They go to the playoffs. The Dolphins look like they're on the up and up. Pennington gets hurt. The guy we drafted, Chad Henney, never materializes to what we thought. In 2011, we thought Sperano would be back. But what did our owner do? You know, he took a plane out to Stanford and met with Jim Harbaugh. Couldn't make it happen. Failed to make the deal happen. We we got a common theme here, right? Comes back on his jets and gives a lame duck two-year extension to Tony Sperano. The things I've heard, God rest his soul, because, you know, I, I, I respect Tony Sperano, the man, and I thought he was a damn good football coach here. He was miserable after that happened. He wanted out of here. And he was probably happy when he got fired, to be honest, right? That's how this is going to play out. They didn't make the deal, but there's no way in hell that Tua Tungvaloa, as a man with the family that he comes from, is going to sit on their hands and be okay with how their son was treated. And, you know, it's just a shame to see what had happened coming into the season. We all had so much promise. The fan base was united. We were all high-fiving. Everyone was waiting for their two jerseys to come in the mail because they were on back order. He had the number one selling jersey for a period of time. And now Dolphins Twitter is as divided as it's ever been. You know, you're either Team Watson and you're or Team Tua. If you like Watson on the football field, your ethics are attacked. It's just an ugly situation. And, you know, Look, they have nine more football games. You and I are going to watch. We're going to break them down every week. I'm excited to see what Tua can do. Um, I, you know, I don't know how it doesn't go the route of Deshaun Watson. I, I think that's the secret phone call was Stephen Ross saying, "Look, times against us, Deshaun, and it's not going to happen." Before so there's people that are saying he did talk to him, and there's other people that are saying he didn't get a, 
get enough time to talk to him. There are conflicting reports out there. Yeah, I'll go with Ian Rappaport and, and say that he did. And and the conversation I would imagine is it's not going to happen with the deadline. We want you. You want to be here. We're going to make it happen in the offseason. So this legality, look, you're getting paid $10 million to sit on the bench. You know, we'll honor your contract. Like, I, you know, I, I think it was kind of a wink nod, secret handshake deal that, you know, they probably had a mutual discussion, mutually agreed to what it's going to happen. And, you know, that even frustrates me even more because, you know, I'll say this as a Dolphins fan, and I'm only talking about the product on the field, and I'll keep saying that so that people don't think that I'm anti-women or anything like that. You know, I, I've said this. I respect. I love women. Uh, I want the, you know them to be respected and treated well. I am not a lawyer. I'm staying away from all of that stuff. I'm talking about the product on the field. Like, look, having an elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson, like I used to think Tua would get there as early as recently as four or five weeks ago, and I'm struggling to see that now. Um, in Miami, especially, right? And like it's an upgrade to the most important position in sports. And but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what I want to happen. Like, I still think that Tua Tugavaloa can win in this league and be a really, really good quarterback. I, you know, I, I just think it's a really bad situation for Dolphins fans. I think it's it's really sad to see because, you know, once again, this fan base is just deflated. And we have a whole more, we have more than half a season to go at this point. And we have a lot of really winnable games on the schedule. I, I, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really, really crazy here. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the schedule. Yeah. Houston. You see the seven and two staring you down the barrel? Yeah. H Houston, right? Mm -hmm. What's that? A win, like, right? Like yeah. all day long. Baltimore Thursday night. Like, I know it's a short week. It's in Miami. You know, I think you could get Dan Marino back out there in his prime, and still they'll find a way to beat us by 30, 40 points. The Ravens just always have had our number. They're a physical team. We're awful in the trenches. Like, just think about this. They're going to have Calais Campbell lined up against Austin Jackson, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I like, man, like, it's, 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 I think that's going to be ugly. I think that's a big loss. And, and, and it, like, you know, it's going to be a seesaw. But then they have the Jets in New York. They win that game. Panthers at home, they win that game. Giants at home, they win that game. I told you before the we got on air that I thought the the Jets might win one. Nah, we're gonna sweep them. I'm looking like the Jets. I mean, come on, like our Mike defense, White got hurt tonight too. Yeah, and honestly, like this is gonna even sound crazy. The Saints, Titans, and Patriots. Like Derrick Henry probably won't be playing. You know um, who's gonna be quarterback in the Saints? We already beat the Patriots on the road. Like I, I like, I, I they're gonna. And the Patriots are yet to beat to a tongue of a law. Yeah, they're not good enough to go run the table. So I'm not gonna talk crazy, but they're gonna lose to Baltimore and they're gonna lose one of those final three games. And they, you know what? They'll probably lose two of those final three games. But if we add that up, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, so say they say they go six and three and they end the season seven and ten. I mean, that's respectable after this start of this season, and it's very doable. So, you know, there is a reason to watch. And I'm excited to kind of see how, how it unwinds here, to be honest. So coming up this weekend, an old familiar foe looks like he might be good to go um, for, <laughs> for, um, for our opponent. Tyrod Taylor looks like he's going to be good to go against the Dolphins. Um and Tyrod Taylor actually has a very good career against him in terms of 10 touchdowns and no interceptions against career-wise against him. Like, um, he has a 112 passer rating in the seven games he's played against the Dolphins. 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 72.8% of his passes against the Dolphins. Yeah, well, I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I liked him at Virginia Tech and, and living here in Baltimore. Went to a couple preseason games and, and saw him when he was backing up Joe Flacco and, and saw some of that talent. And he was a guy that I actually went, wanted us to sign as, as a veteran uh, backup uh, here in Miami before. Um, but unfortunately for him this time, you know, I know he has a really good record against the Dolphins, but yeah, I, I don't see it. three, right? Yeah, I don't think it's happening this time. Like, you know, let's talk about some of the headlines, right? Like, the two people that are linked on the Houston Texans, most of the Dolphins, well, Deshaun Watson isn't playing, and neither is Laramie Tunsil, right? And that offensive line without Laramie Tunsil, 
is like a Miami Dolphins offensive line. You know, it's awful. Like <laughs> Titus Howard's a complete bust at right tackle. I, I think they have Max Sharping on there. I mean, they have – I mean, we we have equivalent talent probably to them. And, you know, Tyrod, I mean, I, I, who, is it David Johnson who's going to be getting a bulk of their carries? You know, Brandon Cooks is a good player, um, you know, but I, I feel that our corners can keep him in check. You know, I, I just think our defense is going to have a really nice day against them. Um, you know, you see it ending. And, and I and I well, and I think too. So I told you this. I, I think two is going to have his best game of his career. I uh, got thirty-eight seventeen. I have thirty. Dolphins. I have thirty-four thirteen Dolphins. So I, I'm not far from you. I, I think two is going to throw three touchdowns in this game. Um, I think watch, back to the three hundred yard flirtation. Yeah, I think I think he's going to get three hundred yards. I think Waddle. This is the team he wants to light up too. You realize that, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, Not only is Watson there, but they there's been reports that they don't want to. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is. I I think coming out of this week, now he can exhale. It's his team, and Tua Valoa, Whether you like him or you don't like him, the guy carries himself the right way. He approaches things the right way. His mindset is is great. He's going to freaking put on a show. And I'm telling you, it's going to be Jalen. It's not going to just be Tua's best game of his career. It's going to be Jalen Waddle's best game of his career. They're going to be able to push the ball vertically against this team. And I actually think that they're going to surprise us with some shots that they take. I, I really do. I think the offense is going to move the ball. You know, I got. So what's it? would have been a perfect game for Will Fuller to come back. It would have. Um, people want to People want to say that. My report about him contemplating retirement as a personal matter was might have been bogus. Look at how this situation has played out. Does he look like a player that wants to be in Miami? Yeah, and, and I'll get maybe I'll get scolded for saying this. I kind of said I wouldn't, but a, a, a quote that I was told when it came to Will Fuller is that when he was in free agency, he was evaluating a few teams, the Dolphins and Packers being the, the main two, and he kind of had a heart to heart with his agent, and he said, you know, where do you go? If you want to win, go to Green Bay. If you want to get paid, go to Miami. And he wanted to get paid. And he's getting paid $10 plus million a year like his boy Deshaun Watson, and neither of them are playing. And and honestly, like I've seen scenarios when people are talking about like, oh, my God, let's get Deshaun Watson and bring Will Fuller back. I don't want Will Fuller on this football team. Neither do I. I I'd actually be okay with cutting him and whatever money you save. Roll go in on Devontae Adams. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just saying for this year, if you cut him, whatever cap you free up, it rolls over to next year. You know, we're going to need all the cap we have, especially if we're going to be, in, uh, you know, putting $35 million. I'm telling to- you, if you get Watson, you go get Armstead and you go get Devontae Adams and then you fill out the rest, you try to get a linebacker. And then you draft Linderbaum if, you're, if your pick stays around 11, 12, and you get that center. Well, here, here's you, – you, 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 you stick with Tua. You convince Orlando Brown to go right tackle. You give him that left tackle money. You still sign Devontae Adams. You go find that linebacker, and you still draft Linderbaum. Well, see, I, I'll, I'll tell you my formula, and it's a little bit different because in my scenario, we're not going to have a first-round pick, um, you know, because we're going to be trading that. Watson? Oh, trading for Watson. So mm-hmm. what I think you do is your Dolphins would be $80 million. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm probably, even though I like them, I'm probably moving on from Devontae Parker because I think it saves seven million in cap space. I'm I'm cutting Adam Butler because I, I've been disappointed with his play and it saves us three point seven. Only oh he's on a two year right yeah. Yep yep I'm I'm cutting Jesse Davis he's gone. I'm cutting Greg Little. I'm cutting Adam Shaheen. Like I'm just cut like I got scissors out man. And I'm making cuts. Durham Smythe. Dur- uh, Smythe's a free agent so we can't cut him. Seathan Carter he's gone. Um, Alan Hearns you're gone. That saves us three point five million. And what I just did is I just got us to $115 million. So say say you do make this trade for Deshaun Watson, right? And it's $35 million against the cap is what he will cost. You just got us back to that 80 original with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm at $80 million with Deshaun Watson. Taron Armstead is going to cost me $20 million. He's my left tackle. I'm keeping Robert Hunt at right guard. I'm going to sign another free agent named Ryan Jensen from Tampa Bay who started was, was a pro bowler in Baltimore. I think he's a good rugged veteran and, and I like him. He's got good size. He can move uh, inside. So there's gives me three starters on the offensive line. And what I'm doing is I'm, 
I'm floating Tua in this scenario for a second round pick, and I have two second round picks, and I'm making two selections, and you're gonna like these. My first one's gonna be Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back from Michigan State. State. And my second's gonna be Abraham Lucas, the right tackle from State. So I'm adding to this offensive line Ryan Jensen, Taryn Armstead, and Abraham Lucas with Robert Hunt staying at right guard, and then Dieter, Solomon Kinley, and Austin Jackson are the three people battling for the left guard position. Let the best man win, and that that's what my plan would be. And just to kind of put that in perspective, we'd still have probably $55 million in cap space to go out and, you know, I don't like – there's Cortland Sutton. There's Allen Robinson, and I think you want to big... Allen Robinson or Devontae Adams are the guys. Yeah, the only thing that I'll say about Devontae Adams is I think the Packers will have the ability to franchise him and play that damn game, and I don't want to get my hopes up. Like, uh, obviously, I would take... Like Aaron Jones? Yeah, I would take Devontae Adams over any receiver in football, so y- you have me sold. Did did Godwin uh, Did Godwin get franchised? No, he, he's a free agent. God, It's Chris Godwin. Cortland Sutton, Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup. Um, Michael Gallup, very underrated. Devontae Adams. I mean, it's a beautiful crop. And that's that. See, like, I'm not cutting Devontae. I don't want to draft another one, man. No, no, I I, I don't think we want to because I think we have Waddle, who's young. I think Lynn Bowden will be back. I mean, I, it, it may be in round three. You can go gonna bring back Mac Hollins. Yeah, bring back Mac Hollins, a good player. And then, like, you know, if you add an Allen Robinson to that group, that's pretty damn good, <laughs> you know. Because I, I, I like, I like, I actually, you know, the Devontae- I still think it's missing one other guy. It is like who's going to be okay. So you got your X, Y, and your Z. Okay, so obviously your Y in that situation is going to be, um, Waddle. So you filled out one half of your X and your Z, your two boundary guys, with Allen Robinson as one of them. Who's your other one? You can't rely on Preston. Well, you still have him, right? You still have, yeah. um, I do Matt Collins. Uh, yeah. I, I I hear you. I I know it, but I mean, if you have Deshaun Watson, Allen Robinson, and should be enough. Yeah, and, and that's so. Like you know, I'm roster. Are you resigning Gasicki? Oh hell yeah, I am. I, so there's and, some and of your fifty five million. And yeah, there's uh, there's so a there big chunk of your fifty five million. And I'm down to twenty, and that's cool. Uh, I'll keep that for the rainy day. And you know, and then the one position. Why don't we like? We need a linebacker, bro. Like you know who well, I really wanted. You know who was in my top ten free agents I wanted to, and I made a video about on Finside and everything, buddy. And I'm looking like I should have, like we would have got him. Why did we not sign Denzel Perryman for cheap? Look at yeah. look at what the season he's having right now. And I'm like, man, perfect run stopper. He's good in coverage. He's a thumper. He's if it's a, if a Landon Roberts was good, that's what Denzel Perryman is. Well, if we have our first round pick for whatever reason, right? Like, who knows what the compensation gets? You know, I don't know. Do we throw in a trade has to happen with Greer because you know how it works. A new GM search, you putting the mandate of you have to trade Watson with those picks might turn a new GM off because well, the selling point might be those picks to use. Well, you want me to make my prediction there because I, it, it will solve that problem. Go ahead, Marvin Allen. <laughs> I think it's going to be Marvin Allen with Eric Bieniemy, and I think that Bieniemy would love to have Watson, and Marvin Allen would too. So I don't think it's going to matter. Um, but like, just look at it. Say the Dolphins have that first round pick, right? I have five guys circled and starred who I think will be on the clock when the Dolphins pick that are perfect picks. My number one guy, Ikem Ekwanu from NC State. He can play tackle, but. I don't want him there. I want him at left guard. I think he is a dominant, game-changing mauler at left guard. Watch his tape. He puts defenders on skates. He has powerful punch, and he moves people. Love him. Tyler Lindenbaum, probably the best center prospect we've seen in a I think day. He's the second best lineman next to Evan Neal in this. Next Evan, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, you know, I, I, I did like what I saw from Michael Dieter, but that – you know, don't no, Linda bomb. Come on. You see yeah. what Creed Humphrey's doing in Kansas city right now. Shout out. We got Eichenberg. God, yeah, shout out to the guys on the draft dudes. Cause they say this and I really respect it. Right. It's um, don't let a good player prevent you from taking a great player. Okay, and and I, I think that's the scenario. Two linebackers will be on my list. First, George and Nicobe Dean every Love day. Him. 
He every week he, he might is, be sneaking like, up into top ten, top five territory with his play, though. Did you see his pick six? I mean, his yeah. range, his bustle. Now he's a little smaller, but he has everything else. Hey, so was Nick Bolton. I was banging the drum for him, and look at the season it, he's having for Kansas City what, right now. And staying on the linebacker path, Devin Lloyd Jr. out of Utah, just him, yeah. tremendous player. Yeah, and then my fifth. Say say we have to get rid of an Xavier Howard to free up cap, right? Are you going to say Stingley? No. I, you know what? Stingley. Oh, I know where you're going. Booth? Nope. Both uh, My number one corner for next year right now is Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I was having this conversation, and I was just in love with the sauce because I've watched a bunch of Cincinnati offense. I haven't put on their defense, so I actually haven't checked them out yet. Man, he is freaking good. I, I, I think, honestly, I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure he's never given up a touchdown in college football uh, on him. Like he is, he is perfect. And I do think like, like, I, like we can all agree that the no egg Benogany picks not going to pan out. Right. Like I, like, mm. how do you think Kyle Hamilton goes? Uh, you know where I think he goes, wherever Jacksonville's picking. So I, you I think, think they would, you think if they're picking real high in a, and a tackles there, well, I so they have cap space, so like you know, Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor, they're starting off at the tackle. They're not very good. Yeah, I mean, maybe because I, I like Evan Neal a lot too. Um, I don't even know what the official. Like, do you threat. think Detroit's going Kevon Thibodeau right now? They have to. So right now, how it works out is Detroit's at one, Kevon Thibodeau, Philly's at two because of us, Houston's at three, and Jacksonville's at four. Well, yeah. See, I'll, I'll tell you. So, I'll tell you what I think is crazy. I think the second pick, if that's the scenario that plans out, I think the second pick is going to be Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. I know that's crazy high. The Philly from yeah, the Philly. They they need a pass rusher. Uh, Barnett's really been okay. Brandon mm-hmm. Graham's getting up there in the two kind and of. And they've it, been trying to move um, Barnett's dude, um, contract too. I'll say this, and this is going to be crazy. Watching Aiden Hutchinson gives me such JJ Watt vibes. I, I see it in a man. I don't think he's going to be as dominant, but he has that man. He pra- plays like his hair is on fire. He's never taken a stat- snap off. That motor is beautiful. You said Houston was third. See, Houston's going to That's go- where my Kyle Hamilton might go. See, I, I think they're going to go Matt Corral there, actually. I, Ooh, I think, Matt Corral. I think they need a quarterback. It's not like, look. So Evan Neal's still on the board for you then. Yeah, and and honestly, I would say that the Eagles would take him, but they just paid that guy, and I'm not even going to try not try to pronounce yeah, his Jordan, name. Um, Maliata. So like Jacksonville Maliata. would probably Jacksonville could look at him, but like their safety position is god awful, man. And who would six? So at five are the Jets. At six are the Giants. At seven is Washington. At eight is Philly again. At nine is New York via Seattle. At ten is the Giants via Chicago. So the Giants have two top. Giants can take Evan Neal. He that's where the slide could stop if he gets that far. And then Atlanta at eleven, and then because Evan Neal can play right tackle, right? He played that before. Yeah, the Jets would scare me. The Jets getting him and having him and Beckton would be pretty freaking scary. I honestly think he goes to Jacksonville. I think he's going to be too good for them to pass up because of the. There's more of a onus to protect Trevor Lawrence, your number one overall pick than to spend a fourth overall pick on a safety. Yeah. I, just, I just want Kyle Hamilton uh, somehow. Cause we don't picked up 12th right now. I well, would love oh, if Kyle Hamilton fell to us. Yeah. And, and let's talk about Eric Rowe for a second. If we release him, after- I would kick Javon Holland into the box and Kyle Hamilton would be my single high because um, Javon Holland looks like he's bulked up since his junior season he's clearly a thumper at this level he plays aggressive he he plays hard i i think he could he could, he i think might be the answer not brandon jones for row because look at his we saw his ability they would put him on the boundary even uh, look, I a slot in the yeah. boundary you know um in oregon we've yeah. seen him use out here you know in the slot he can cover better than brandon jones too so i think javon holland you move as a strong safety, and Kyle Hamilton would be your single high, and that would be—I think—that would be probably the best safety tandem in the league in like one or two years. Yeah, but we're not going to get—we're not. No, gonna, no, I know. I'm not, telling, you. and we're not going to have that pick. I'm telling you, it's going to be. But hard. I will take uh, Tyler Linderbaum at twelve. I love that. 
Well, and, and like let's let's so second like, best lineman in the draft. I will say this because we did we're, we've spent a lot of time shitting on Chris Greer pretty hard. I think and this, it makes up for them not taking Ruiz at eighteen and taking Jackson over. Yeah, well, I, I think this year's draft class because like Eichenberg has obviously been been on a challenge um to, i don't he, think he's very good bro he hasn't been good this year but like if you look at the first three picks they made holland waddle and phillips i mean i think all three of them are really good players and like because here i think we don't we i know we haven't seen the best jalen waddle yet and i don't know if we get to see it as much as we want to this year but like Let's stop the craziness. Like J- Jalen Waddle's not awesome. Like I, I like I see this on Twitter. Like, cool. We could have stayed at three and take Jamar Chase and Jamar. So Chase- we wouldn't be using him or Pitts the way they're being used right I mean, now. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts had a good game against us, but he had two catches for thirteen yards last week. Yeah, but ben- you know what people need to realize too, my friend. This is what people are getting. Okay, this is my issue with this whole thing. Listen, all right. Am I mad that my evaluation of Chase was was not correct? No, I want people to succeed. I'm mad that they know how to use Jamar Chase and we don't know how to use Jalen Waddle. Okay. Like they are challenging the top of defenses with Jamar Chase. We don't do that with Jalen Waddle. And what's even crazier is we have faced teams like the Raiders with the now released Henry Ruggs, RIP to the family in that tragedy. And we have actually faced a team that really gave us the blueprint on how to use him, the Buccaneers with Antonio Brown, and these guys still haven't caught on. Like, that's my issue with this is these guys have even faced teams that have shown you the blueprint on how to utilize him, and he's still out here running hitches hitches and drags and, you know, bubble screens. Like, that's my issue right here is people need to realize that – we wouldn't be using Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts as effectively as they're being used in other places. If we could redo the draft right now and we had the third overall pick, I'm just going to be honest here. I would take – so Trevor Lawrence went one. Who went number two? I don't even remember. What, this year? Yeah. Um, It was uh, – what's his face? Um, It was Zach Wilson. Okay, Zach Wilson. Cool. If I had the third pick, I would tell I and I and I was at the I was on this bandwagon at the draft. Like I thought Jamar Chase was the the guy. Uh, I would take Jamar Chase. But if I had the fourth pick and Jamar Chase was the third, I would take Jalen Waddle over Kyle Pitts. I would take him over anybody else. Penesol still. If I ran a team, maybe not for the Miami Dolphins, but if I ran a team, because I think that Jalen Waddle has the ability to be one of the most electric players in the whole NFL. I, don't know. I, I like my boy Panay willing to throw down with Aaron Donald. Like yeah, Aaron yeah Donald. Me, me too. And I love Sewell. And I, but I, I'll just because 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 the Dolphins don't know how to coach football doesn't mean these players aren't great. I, I that that's the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, like Jalen Waddle still found a way to make I think it on PFF's midseason all rookie team despite the fact that he's not even being utilized at anything he's really great at. Like that's like he still has three touchdowns. Doesn't he lead our team in touchdowns still? Like Jalen Waddle right now, yeah. And for two games or three games, he had freaking Jacoby Brissett throwing him the ball. Like and it took Jacoby Brissett three games to throw a touchdown pass. We have to put things in perspective sometimes and not always blame the player. Like that that is one thing that we all have to do better as fans and evaluators because, like, trust me, Jalen Waddle is the least of this team's worries. If you ask me actually to put on paper the player that I think is the most exciting player that I look forward to as a Miami Dolphin next year, it's Jalen Waddle over anybody else on this football team. Like, yeah, because it's a fun game of who's going to be the sixth coordinator for Flores and <laughs> how are they going to use them? It's like well, a fun guess. Look at this year's receiver class, right? You have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Are you taking either of those two guys over Jalen Waddle? Nope. Not a chance. I'm actually not. Like, my issue with this draft class is, like, wide receiver-wise, is there's not a lot of – in the upper echelon of the, of the receivers, there's not a lot of big body guys here again. That's yeah. my issue. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and that and that's hard to find, man. And that's why 
look, Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton, they're going to be out there. You know, they're going to be out there. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you get a premium top three left tackle in football in Taron Armstead, and you get a bona fide stud alpha receiver like an Allen Robinson and bring in Deshaun Watson, you don't have to do much else. And this team's probably a playoff team. Like, I, like that's how big of a move that would be. You know, we talked about this before we hopped in the air, like the 2020 draft. If we would go back in time and we took two at five, we traded that third round pick or whatever it would have been and got Christian Wirfs, and we took Jonathan Taylor over Noah Igbenogany, like this whole franchise could be a yeah, different ball, ball game. And, that, and this is the year where I don't if, if Flores and them are back, we can no longer treat the running back position like it doesn't matter. You got to go get an Isaiah Spiller. You got to go get a Kenneth Walker the third. You or, got, Hall. or if you know what, if you don't want to go to the draft, a guy who's won me over this year is Leonard Fournette. Man, like I love him. I wanted him this offseason, and we and we just let him sit until Tampa could make room for him. I wanted that guy so bad. I love him. Yeah, and and that's well, and Marty that's, Lenny, bud. And that's exactly kind of how I'm looking at it. I I think you know it's you know. I'll say this about being a Dolphins fan. Right now, it kind of sucks. But there is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that the fact is that despite all the failures, the Austin Jacksons, the Noah Ibnogany, somehow this franchise is blessed enough to have as much high draft capital over the next two years as any team in football, besides the Philadelphia Eagles, and the most cap space in football next year, and they have an elite top three quarterback in football that wants to play for them. And like I said this earlier, like that's not fair to Tua. But, you know, Tua's a big boy. And if it didn't work out for him in Miami, he's going to go carve out a bright future somewhere else. And, I, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this plays out. The, you know, kind of the end tonight for me, we're going to learn a lot about the fabric of this team. The, the we're going to learn a lot about Brian Flores. We're going to learn a lot about these coaches, these players, because they have a lot of winnable games on the schedule. And if they end this season like four and 13, man, I don't care who they are. Everybody could be cut of, you know, and be available. You got to go win some football games. You got to play for pride at this point. The, the playoffs are out of, out of the picture. You gotta have pride. You gotta go out there and execute this game against Houston at home in Miami after the freaking hellish week we just went on. You know how you know how you make this feel better? You go knock the socks off the Texans like we did that one year when Lamar Miller was running all over the place. And it was the first time we ever beat him. That's the kind of performance I went. I don't want to see us win a game 16 to 13. Go out there, kick their ass at your home, and go have yourself a day to a tongue of Aloha. Yeah, let's do it, man. You know, whatever. He puts up 400 yards, four touchdowns. They'll say it was against the Texans. It doesn't matter. The goalpost will be a move. 340 yards passing and three touchdowns. And I'll add 40 yards rushing and a touchdown. Let's go. Amen. Let's go. Um, Let's get back to 400-plus yards as an offense, right? So, Sure. um, You know, I think if you can finish this this season out strong at 7-2 and or so, and, you know, have an upset on one of those games between Tennessee or um, the Ravens, you know, then people are going to start raising their eyes a little bit. But if he beats the Baltimore Ravens after everything we just said for the last freaking hour, if he beats the Baltimore Ravens in two weeks, I'll be right back on the bandwagon of thinking he could be elite here in Miami. Cause I'll tell you this right now. That franchise has haunted us more than any in the league. More than the Bills. More than the the Bills. Like, they have haunted us. They have kicked our ass. I I was at the game in Baltimore. Well, I've been at all the games in Baltimore, but was it four years ago on Thursday Night Football with Tannehill, and it was Jay Ajayi, and we thought we had a chance to win, and we lost, like, by 40 points. I think it was, like, 40-something to nothing, and it was when Sue was ripping off Ryan Jensen's helmet and fighting it. And Flacco got hit by Kiko Alonso and all that stuff, right? But, like, I was in that game and that stadium in my freaking Dolphins gear. And 
I, you know, you go to a Baltimore game, they call it Smaltimore, man. You see everybody you've ever played football with, went to school with. How much shit I had to hear in that stadium. Like, if Tua wins, like, that's equivalent to me getting in the damn playoffs. So, let's get, we'll get, to, we'll talk about that next week, right? Cause we'll be yeah. on a short week, but yeah. let's go have a game to a Dolphins. Let's get a win. Let's get back in the win column. And I want to see some high fives in the Twitter space. And, um, you know, you know, we'll be back here next week to break down that win and talk about the game against Baltimore. Can't wait. Until next time, guys, we will see you next week when we dive back in fin too deep. Everyone have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. Stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And it's fins up all day, every day.